Welcome to the next episode of the On the Brink podcast. I am so excited to have another guest on this week. His name is Lucas, and I'm just going to introduce him a little bit, but he's here now. So, hey, Lucas. How's it going, guys? I'm Lucas. I am currently 22 years old. I'm from Long Island, New York, and I went to the College of the Holy Cross, studied biology there, and now I am in med school. I'll be starting this fall. Awesome. So just a little bit of background um, on how I know Lucas. He went to school. He went to his undergrad with my sister. And so I went to school at UMass and I would go and visit Sarah sometimes. So I met Lucas many a time visiting my sister out at Holy Cross. Um, we're going to chat a little bit about how it is to interview while you're in your 20s, especially when you're right out of undergrad, and then in my case, when you're post-grad school. So that's going to be the topic that we're chatting about today. So first, I want to just say that I think, personally, interviewing is, is pretty hard. I don't know. Lucas, what do you think? Yeah, especially when you're right out of college and you don't have any experience really interviewing. Like, for me, I grew up, I did have the opportunity to work when I was 16, you know, in high school. And the interviews were basically like, I actually went to like a, a restaurant to go get a job, like flipping patties. And I went in, talked to the manager and he was like, yeah, sure. You want the job? You can have it. So I think uh, right now it's definitely challenging for kids coming out of college, you know, not having interview experience and just trying to jump in being like, okay, I have to talk about you know, what my role is here, how I work with the team and like answering all these questions. Right, right. So there's so many different kinds of interviews and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but it's really, really hard when you're right out of college. And I guess for me, I didn't, I wasn't really taught a lot about interviewing and that might be partially because I was a music major and I was always focused on performing and we were taught how to audition. So an interview for a musician is really an audition. And so you know how you're taught how to talk about your repertoire, you're taught how to talk about any sort of music terms and things like that. And you, you're really set to go uh, to take your theory exam and to do things like that, but you're really not taught how to interview. So unless you go to like a career center, which I, I often did personally, um, you're not really taught how to make a resume and how to interview and real, real life skills that you should be taught. Yeah. So when you were straight out of college or whenever you got your first job, I know you have a master's degree also, did, was they, were they more focused on your musical skills, like your ability to sing or like how you work with the team? Like what did they want? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, when I was interviewing for different jobs, I was not interviewing for like music specific jobs. I was interviewing mostly for arts administration positions and one of the first questions they ask you when you have music on your on your resume is about music. Um, they definitely want to know because it's an interesting thing that pops up on your resume. So I was ready to talk about music for sure. But then they'd also ask a lot of questions about, you know, 
how to work with a team and you know the general yeah. interview questions they they do both but but yeah it's i think having music on my resume helped me to be able to interview and also being a performer helped me be able to interview well because i think i have to be able to perform in front of hundreds or thousands of people and so i also have to be able to talk in front of that many people and so but they're two different skills. Honestly, I'd rather, much rather sing in front of a ton of people than talk in front of people. So in that sense, it's different, but being a performer is definitely yeah, that's, that's you a leg up. Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like for 99% of America, they'd rather much just talk to like a few interviewers than sing in front of a hundred people. But right. I definitely get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. And a little bit like my background, like I played football at Holy Cross for two years and I played sports my whole life. So I think you know, just trying to go out there and perform in front of people because, you know, you can practice, you can study for your interview as much as you want, but at the end of the day, you got to get up there in front of the people and, and perform. Yeah. It's like a sport. It's like, I mean, you can compare it to whatever works for you. So like you as an athlete, that works just as well. It's like getting up on the field and um, yeah, you could probably describe that better than I can, but we each have our own sorts of, um, like niche things that we do that help us to interview. So moving on to different kinds of interviews. Um, actually, we'll talk about how, how we each prep for interviews. So everyone kind of prepares in a different way. And I'm curious what you do, Lucas, to prepare for your interview. So I had uh, to prepare for in my first interview I kind of actually just like, you know, went over what I knew, whatever, what my resume was. I think that's the biggest thing. That's number one. If you get caught with something on your resume, you can't talk about that's a red flag, even if you did it. So be prepared to talk yeah. about your experiences, like as small as uh, like I used to volunteer, you know, at a like a church clinic and just, um, you know, things like that. Or, or um, yeah, like if you're volunteering, like I used to volunteer at UMass Memorial Hospital. And all I did there was just sign guests in. I just bring them like from the emergency room back to like where their family members were. So like very simple job, but I had to be able to talk about that and how to, had to be able to like string that into why. So I think the first thing that you, that I would do is just go over, you know, what you were, uh, go over what you were doing, you know, in your resume and make sure you can talk about that. And for my first job actually out of college, I graduated with a biology degree <clears throat> and my first job was as an endoscopy assistant. So like a technician helping clean up the procedure room, helping set up the procedure room. And they actually didn't interview me at all. They, I went in with a suit, bought a suit, was all ready to go with questions and they just talked to me. So that's uh, kind of like a challenge in itself. Cause it's like, all right, am I supposed to like slip in somewhere that like, you know, I'm resourceful and all these interesting qualities or like, do I just sit there and nod and, in that case, I think uh, I just kind of was cordial and what didn't try to impress them too much. But right, when right. I like some are so yeah. different. Some interviews are, are more conversational and some you feel like you're being interrogated. So you have to be ready for like any different kind. Yeah. So what did you do in preparation for your musical audition and, you know, having to do, explain best of both worlds to, the, to these people? Right, right. So the first step, I agree with you, perfect your resume, have an amazing resume that's clear, concise, easy to read, but also 
entails everything that you did. You don't want to leave anything out. Um, then for me, making sure your cover letters are also like amazing and ready to go. And when I go into an interview, I bring my cover letter and I bring my resume. I don't think I really need to have my cover letter with me, but it's more for my own sake. And sometimes I go through and like highlight it so that I can easily, my eye easily goes to um, what I did. And then I, I just take extensive notes on everything so that I am ready to talk about exactly what I want to talk about and not be floundering around unsure of what I want to talk about. I, I go into my interviews like ready to talk about very specific things on my resume. And then, yeah, I think in the interview, you just want to be yourself. You, you want to present the best version of yourself that you can. And I think trying to stay true to you and not like trying to make stuff up or make yourself sound a certain way. I mean, if you have the good resume, then, you know, you just need to be able to talk about it well. I don't think you need to try to make yourself seem a certain way. Yeah. Because they'll, they'll find, see through that. Yeah. Did you find that when you were interviewing, because this is a problem I had, I was like talking too much. So the first question would be like, uh, in my practice interviews, they'd be like, so tell me about yourself. And I would go on for like 15 minutes. Did you ever have that problem? Yeah. Yeah. So I tend to talk a lot. Everyone probably by now knows that. Um, if you listen to the podcast, you, you know that I talk a lot. So yeah, it's, it's hard. You have to be so concise and you have to have that sort of elevator pitch that three, three minute, maybe less than that, even, you know, ready to share about only the important things about yourself and not your entire life story. Yeah. That's, that's something I, I definitely struggled with the elevator pitch is good because they talked about that like on all my classes beforehand, like make sure you got your ele elevator pitch down. And then what I realized is I'm like, okay, I'm kind of like showing all my cards here on the first question. You know, you got to like kind of budget all your good qualities, budget all your good like experiences you can talk on. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to give everything away too soon either. Um, and when they ask you for like, what do you think your best quality is? You know, you should narrow it down to one. You shouldn't be like, oh, I think I'm this, 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 and this. It's like, no, no, just have one. They ask for one, or if they ask for two or three, you know, have two or three. Don't try to give every single quality in the world. Yeah, so what did, I have another question for you. So what did you do, because you just talked about your best quality. What did you do for, if they ever ask you the weakness question? So like, what's your biggest weakness? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, personally, I would usually say that being a perfectionist was my biggest weakness because honestly, it, it does get in my way sometimes when I'm so concerned with the little details, but you always want to try to spin it a little bit. You know, you want to say, this is my weakness, but to combat that I do this. And so I yeah. would, I would usually talk about how much of a perfectionist I was, but how I've gotten better in recent years about not letting the little details bog me down. So, you know, you try to spin it a little bit, but you also want to be honest with them. You don't want to say, Oh, I have no weaknesses. Cause that's obviously or not that true. I work too hard or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want it to be, I mean, you want to be realistic about you it. You don't so, want to be cliche. Yeah. What did you say? So for mine, I, cause so I was interviewing for medical school and one of my biggest things is they wanted you, they want you to be very real. So I picked a weakness where I wasn't like exposing myself saying, oh, I'm such bad at my job or like, look at this horrible thing. I chose something like 
you know, that was definitely a weakness of mine. So I talked about when I came into my first job uh, that I like to do things slowly and that I like to get everything right. So similar to what you're saying where it's, you know, perfectionist, like, all right, that's not that big of a deal. Uh, but then I talked about how my coworkers would be like, all right, you need, like, we need to do a procedure every hour in here. So you only have five minutes to like make sure everything's set up. And then I'd always be like, well, you know, I really wanted to make sure everything's here. Everything that is here needs to be here because, you know, we have a patient coming in and I talked about how I just had to practice. And like, I talked about how I was very focused and that I dedicated to it. Like I want, I would be on the car ride into work being like, all right, here are the five things that I need to remember to set up and just kind of practicing. And it's kind of similar to any job. So I feel like it wasn't that big of a deal. Eventually, you know, it takes a while to get, to get quick at your job and to do it well at the same time. Right. Yeah. You can talk about how you want to improve too. You can say like, this is a weakness, but I plan on improving it. And I think if you seem pretty, pretty clear about how you want to improve that, I think that that actually is more impressive. I I think, I mean, I hope to the people that are interviewing you, than someone that comes in and says, Oh, I have no weaknesses or, you know, uses more of a cop out weakness yeah i think 99 percent of actually every interview is just fit like see how you'll fit into a job see you'll fit with the group so they just want to see that you're a real person and that you know because if you say like oh i don't have any weaknesses you're like all right do i really want to work with this guy or girl that that thinks he doesn't right doesn't have any weaknesses right that's more telling of your personality and they're also judging your personality so it's like yeah it's really hard i mean an interview is so much more than than just answering questions. I mean, it's, they're trying to get to the bottom of you as a person. And like, like you said, how well you fit with a company. And so Mm -hmm. I think they're really trying a lot of the time when they're just having a conversation with you, you know, it's to see how, how well you get along with them. That's a huge factor too. Yeah. definitely. They want you to fit in with their employees. So one of the things I wanted to bring up, so I was applying for medical school. That's where all my interviews came and my interviews came very late in the season. So I had, so I talked earlier about how I had this first job where they didn't even interview me and they were just like, all right, you know, sit there, smile. And like, you know, don't be too weird. Basically was my, was what I had to do to get my first job. But for medical school, it was totally different because you have uh, this thing called multiple mini interviews and then you have group interviews one-on-one you have all these different kind of interviews. And if you get an interview in the med school process, there's a higher, very high chance you'll get in there. So things like almost 50% for the two schools I applied to like around 40 or 50%. If you get in, you're, if you get an interview, you're getting in. Wow. And I had to apply to 40 schools. I applied to 40 medical schools over the summer and I only had two interviews. And this was uh, this past spring. So, or this spring we're currently in. So I interviewed in February and I interviewed in March and you know, that's a long waiting game from June when I sent my applications out. So I was like, I went from having this small experience about like with my first initial job to like, okay, now you're waiting with anticipation to hear back from these med schools, your lifelong goal. And like, you know, there are a lot of nerves for me that first day. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely insane i can i did not know you applied to 40 schools yeah it's crazy uh getting into med school now it's kind of like the norm a lot of people just kind of spread their application all over especially if you don't have a super high mcat like myself i did well but i didn't you know score through the roof like some people may have yeah so what 
what exactly does a med school interview entail and how is that different from your other interviews? Yeah. So they're going to be, they're going to be very strict and they're going to try to like razzle you because they're, if, if you get accepted into the school, there's, if you get accepted into med school, there's a 99% like, or not 90, but there's a very high percentage chance that you go through all the way to become a doctor. The big, the big jump is between undergrad and med school. That's when there's a high cutoff. So they're looking like, they're looking across the table from you. Like if this person is going to be a doctor, what like, you know, like I need to make sure I need to be hard on him. I need to be hard on her. Like I need to make sure like if I let them in, it's because they're a good quality person. So you're looking for integrity and to get more like straightforward or more realistic things. They're looking to like, you know, maybe they will look at you like disapproving the whole time. They'll be like, you know, you'll give them an answer and they'll look at you stern as if you just gave them the worst answer in the world, but they're testing you to see like, how do you handle stress? Like if you were with a patient and things weren't going well, how do you handle things when, um, you know, things aren't going your way. So what I did to practice for these interviews was I had my friends, you know, call me up and I had a list of questions like, you know, all the med school interviews, all the questions they could ask in an interview. And some of them are like very weird. They could be like, um, I'm trying to think of one of the strange ones I was asked, or some of them can be like very moral issues. Like, uh, you have a patient who wants to get a, who needs a blood transfusion, but the, and the patient is only 17 years old, but the patient's, um, family it's against their religion for, um, you know, blood transfusion. So for those questions, you know, you have to come up with a, the right answer, but you also have to be like sensitive and, um, you know, come at it the right way. So there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things going on there in a, in a med school. Yeah. Interview. Is there a right or wrong answer to something like that? that? That's a great question because I think 90% of pre-med kids and people interviewing during the cycle would have the same answer saying, oh, I would talk to the, the family and, you know, try to like urge them to make this decision and like, you know, maybe do a little research on their, their religions and see if they, you know, there was like a loophole or like a way they could do it. But when I was actually asked this question, another piece of information they said is this is in the emergency room. It's an emergency setting. And luckily I had a doctor at my previous job who would actually throw these questions at me all the time in my job and, you know, another form of practice. And it was, you know, very similar because this guy was a, you know, my superior, he was a doctor, I was a technician. And he always told me, your job is the doctor. You're not a theologian. You're not a priest or a rabbi. So I, this actually also came up in a group interview and other students were saying, you know, I would, you know, look up, do research, or I would consult the family. And I was like, I, you know, brought up the points that the interviewee, the interviewer said, saying, okay, guys, this is an emergency. My job is the doctor. My job is to save the patient's life. I'm going to be as sensitive as I can to the family and talk, you know, try to accommodate their religion as best I can. But the, at the end of the day, I'm making the blood transfusion and saving this patient's life. Wow. Yeah. So you're lucky you had the resources from your previous job to help you answer that. Yeah, definitely. Because I think and maybe I wouldn't have stood out in that situation because I probably would have just answered like all the other um, students would have answered being like, well, you know, I would, I would, and they, cause they never gave a, uh, a concrete answer. They just said, you know, accommodate the patient. I would do this, but they never actually made that decision because you know, you, you don't want to do something culturally offensive, but as a doctor, you're, you know, you're right on that line of life and death or, you know, there's a lot of things at play besides just religion. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's definitely a tricky 
interview question, and I'm sure you dealt with other questions that were similarly difficult to answer. Yeah. And even just, uh, you know, bringing this back towards like any interview questions that I did all these things in preparation that my friends would pick up on. Like the first thing I would say during, uh, when they asked me a question, I'd be like, so, or I would like kind of, I would stumble and give way too long of a background information. So one thing I did was actually videotaped myself respond to these questions. And it, it was like, all right, how do you, what's your biggest weakness? And I'm like, so blah, 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 blah. And then like get to it in the end. So I think one piece of advice I would have is answer within the first sentence. When they say, what is your biggest weakness? Say my biggest weakness is, you know, my, or let's flip it the other way. Cause that's a hard question we mentioned. What's your <laughs> biggest strength? I would say, well, my greatest strength is my moral integrity. And then you jump into a, you know, a scenario that describes that. And I think that's something that practicing I don't know did you ever have to did you ever practice with your friends before interview you ever use that methodology I did not I probably should have honestly that sounds like a good idea but I I would just talk out loud to myself um and like practice with myself and I didn't ever record but now that you say that is probably a good idea and I think when you do record things like that you do realize how much you say you know, the word like, or um, or so, and all of those things that you're taught not to say. And it's kind of like when I record the podcasts, and I'm listening to them back, which I hate doing, but I I have to do it. And just make sure everything, you know, went smoothly, and there weren't any glitches in the technology. And, you know, you really realize how much you say these things, and how much filler you use in your sentences. So, it's, I think yeah. recording is a great idea. That's such a great suggestion for everyone. Yeah, and even even like video, my posture, you know, I tend to slump down. And, you know, you want to be in there like confident and, you know, look, making eye contact. So all those things also, the video. Right, right. Helps. The way you look is so important. The way you sit, the way that you stand. Um, you want to look nice. You want to dress nice. I mean, yeah. that's just the, the truth of it. You don't want to go in with a wrinkly shirt, like as stupid as it sounds. I've seen it. I have actually interviewed people. Part of my, part of one of my jobs is to interview people and I've seen it before and Mm -hmm. it makes a bad impression on you. It does. Okay. So you also interview people for your current position or you have? I have. Yeah. I have before. So what do you look for? I mean, we've talking all about ourselves interviewing. What as on the other side of the coin, what do you look for? Yeah, I look for someone who has confidence, someone who walks in and is excited about the job that they're coming in to interview for. And you can usually tell because if someone doesn't really care, that comes across. And Mm -hmm. I want someone who's excited, who's confident and who can speak well. I, you know, I do care what's on your resume. I I am going to look at that ahead of time. But when it comes down to it, the one-on-one conversation is so much more important than what's on paper. And I think being able to just confidently speak about what you want out of the job and what you can bring to the job is, is going to win you the job or not. Yeah. Like, yeah, your energy is totally huge. So I'm someone who's very outgoing, very extroverted. So I would be, I was always trying to be more reserved. Uh, but you know, I tended to, you know, like just, you know, let them speak first. That's another tactic, but uh, you know, I'd, I'd let them speak first. I would try not to talk too much. And, you know, I'd let my passion and my excitement come through, like in my answers. Like, for example, I had a urology internship 
So before my um, like medical application cycle. So that's one thing I really enjoyed about medicine uh, was, you know, seeing it in practice. I got to watch procedures. I got to do research on this new procedure. So it was very eye-opening to me. And urology isn't the most glamorous, you know, it's your urinary system. It's, you know, the medicine of helping people pee. So I actually use that as a benefit because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, heart surgery, you know, like they see things on Gray's Anatomy and they're like, you know, can get excited about that. But halfway through my interview, they asked me, you know, what are some of your relevant medical experiences? And I talked about my internship in urology and I was talking about all, basically all I, I was helping like old men pee. I was like, you know, it's a big quality of life factor. If you can't pee, your life is really tough. So, and they loved it. They were eating that up. Like, oh, this is hilarious. Like this kid's very comfortable talking about a, you know, a, a private, uh, like a private conversation, you know, having with a population, mainly like old men over 65 who aren't comfortable sharing their symptoms. And it actually in, uh, is really important in their quality of life. So I think showing your excitement, maybe about a unique topic, uh, you know, will also, you know, help you a lot in, a, in an interview. Totally. Yeah. Anything you can do to stand out, I think is really important. Um, yeah. For you, it's talking about urology. For me, yeah. it's talking about music and like my wide variety of, of things. I mean, I've, my resume has been called eclectic by <laughs> many, many people. Yeah. Um, and I used to be a little bit offended, but no, everyone says that it's a positive thing. And so I, I've not been offended anymore about that because I think it's actually to my advantage. But yeah, if we can each have something that we're like really excited to talk about that's very unique, it totally stands out. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, for medical school, my, the school I am actually attending right now, uh, or I accept, got accepted in and decided to go to receive 7,000 applications and the class is around 300 people. So there's a huge cutoff. So if, if they're interviewing you, it's probably because you have something unique about you. So I definitely agree with you on that. So speaking of the school that you are going to be attending, if you are, do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. So um, I'm, uh, I applied and got into the New York Institute of Technology College of Osteopathic Medicine. I'm super excited. It's here on Long Island and, you know, they have a bunch of specialties. They have a lot of primary care physicians and uh, I have no idea where I'm going in terms of what area of medicine, like uh, if I could be a family medicine doctor versus a, a brain surgeon. I mean, who knows at this point? So I'm really excited about that. And yeah, there is one story I'd like to share about a funny interview experience, if that's a good time for that. Yeah, definitely. But first of all, I want to say congratulations. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's Thank a you. huge accomplishment getting into med school. So I'm really excited that I was able to interview you about this because I, I think, you know, it's not something that everyone, it's not everyone's path. It's it's a very, very yeah. narrow one and a very difficult one to get into. So so thank you so much for sharing your experience, first of all. Yeah, um, of course. And yes, we want to hear your story now for sure. Okay. Um, so I, I sent out 40 applications and I only got two interviews back. So the other school was the Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine in Erie, Pennsylvania. And it was interesting because I live in New York and uh, Long Island. So that's about eight hours away. And I'm a big surfer. I love to surf. Uh, this is something we didn't really talk about earlier, but I've been surfing since I was six years old. I surf in the winter. I've, I surfed uh, yesterday, actually. And yeah, you're a crazy surfer. You surf all the April, time. April, yeah. That um, I know. 
Emily's sister, Sarah, would actually come on sometimes, come on uh, some of the surf trips with me and we'd surf and she'd film for my YouTube channel. So uh, shout out, Sarah. She's awesome. And check and, out the uh, surfing channel if you're into surfing. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas Hildreth on YouTube. Check me out. But <laughs> my funny story would be when I, uh, when I applied and got, it, and got an interview at the Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine, I had to drive to Pennsylvania and interview there. And it was about an eight-hour drive. And I've always wanted to surf on the Great Lakes. People do it after a big storm. It's very rare. It takes a lot of wind to make waves on, on like the small lakes compared to the ocean. But I was like, all right, I'm going all the way out to Erie, PA, and it's right on the water. So I was like, I'm going to bring my surfboard, bring my wetsuit. And I, I drive out there. It's about eight hours. I arrive, you know, a little before sunset because I'm interviewing the next day. So I wanted to, you know, get in, get to my hotel. But I went to the lake first to check the waves. And the, lakes, the lake was tiny. Like the waves were very small. I jumped in, caught a few waves. But I actually had taken my truck to the beach and I drove out on the beach um, to, you know, surf. And I just wanted to like, you know, in the winter when it's really cold, you don't want to be walking very far in, in a wet wetsuit. So I drove right up on the sand in my truck. What month is this? This is uh, March. So it's pretty cold out. Okay. So it's, it's like, but it's March in Pennsylvania. So it's not like warm at all. It's cold still. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, my truck's on the beach in the sand and I get it stuck. And I'm like, oh no, it's stuck. Like, you know, I'm, tires are spinning in the sand, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh crap, how do I get out of this? I call my dad. He's like, you need to let the air out. You need to, you know, find a way out. And like, I'm moving the truck back and forth and it's just sinking deeper into the sand. And I'm like vlogging all this for my YouTube channel. So I have like a, a camera set up, you know, to try and like, hopefully capture the moment when I get out. And I'm like, okay, it's not working. So I'm like, all right, enough with the camera. Like the sun's going down. I need to like, you know, really get to work. So I'm digging in the sand. I'm digging, trying to like dig the car out. And I don't have a shovel with me or anything. I'm just using my hands. Oh, and I ended up taking some digging, like for like maybe an hour, digging like holes in front of my tires and then putting like sticks down and then putting my floor mats. And I got out that way. So it was a whole like maybe two hour ordeal from like by the time I realized I was stuck and trying to work the camera. And then, so the next day, I am, you know, inter so I get to my ho hotel, go right to bed, you know, wake up the next morning, scramble to get everything together, get to the med school. And they put all the students in like a waiting room before we started. And they're like, you know, talking, you know, sharing like, you know, conversation. And one student's like, I didn't sleep at all last night. I was so nervous. Like, you know, this is my first interview. And this was one of my, this was, you know, my second interview and I was only getting two. So I, I was you know, nervous. I needed to be on my game. This was like my shot to get into med school, my lifelong dream right here. And all these kids, you know, are feeling the same thing. They're all really nervous. And they, one of the kids asked me like, yeah, how'd you sleep? And I was like, oh, I slept like a rock, <laughs> which was funny because I did actually get a great night's sleep because I was so tired from like digging out my car and, you know, surfing and just doing this whole ordeal even before the interview started. So perks of getting your car stuck in the sand the night before your med school interview. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll get a good night's rest, you know, and won't be up all night worrying. So it's pretty funny. But probably do not recommend generally. Yeah. I would definitely recommend taking it easy the day before your interview, you know, maybe like going to the gym or doing like, you know, a light exercise that you can control rather than like having a big stressful thing that you might have to call a tow truck for or something. Yeah. And don't drive your car on the sand maybe. Yeah. That's a good life lesson for sure. 
Yeah. Well, makes for a good story. Did the interview end up going well? Yeah. So the interview went great. It was my second interview. So I kind of had it. I had one underneath my belt. And this was the group interview one where they asked me, you know, some of these moral questions. And there was a 90 minute group interview, which was crazy because imagine, you know, all your pre-med students and then take the ones who make it through pre-med and like, you know, take the MCAT and actually do apply. Um, these kids are all like super engaging, super like, you know, uh, you know, type A personality and like the kids who are always raising their hand in class to talk. So now you put, you know, five of them, I think there were six of us in a room with two doctors and everyone's, you know, trying to like throw their elevator pitch out and, you know, answer these questions. And, you know, we're trying to be polite, but we're also trying to get our, the spotlight on us, kind of share our uniqueness. And, um, that, that in itself was very interesting, but the interview went well. I think one of the interesting things that happened was um, you kind of have, you know, uh, rehearsed answers or you know what you're going to talk about and you do your research. So one of the questions that uh, I was ready for and some other students were ready for was, what do you think the biggest issue in medicine is today? And this interview to, to date it, it was in March of 2020. So obviously the coronavirus is a huge issue, huge topic that you'd think is the most pressing thing in medicine mainly due to the you know, inequality and the distribution of medical supplies. You know, how do we change our um, you know, medical system and our hospitals to like, accommodate all these people coming in? And no one brought it up. A lot of kids had the rehearsed answer, which was like the opioid crisis, which still is a really big deal, but it wasn't you know, what they were looking for. And they were like, really? That's the biggest um, you know, issue in medicine. And what I, my answer when it got time for me to speak was I talked about the large volume of patients that uh, we had to see in the medical field today, like, you know, doctors being rushed to see their next patient and maybe that equaling like a lower standard of care. But I think it was interesting that no one, even myself, wasn't willing to bring up the coronavirus because it was, you know, kind of a controversial topic at the time. Yeah. Was that beginning of March? Yeah, it was, it was pretty early on. So, you know, there was some rumblings, but it was definitely... You know, it wasn't as like, you know, the quarantine issue right now. And even uh, they actually gave us the option to interview, you know, through Zoom or through, you know, electronically. And I was like, well, you know, the things we talked about before is how important it is to see that you're personable, you can speak and, you know, you're, you're comfortable in your own skin. So I chose the interview there. Nice. Yeah, that's probably yeah. a good idea. But now I, I assume all the interviews are probably being conducted if there are any happening. Um, all online yeah so as of april right now the interview season is mostly over some people do interview in april but yeah i was the last interview at that college to uh at that med school to like be in person you know we didn't even do the tour and i think that definitely affects other people's chances of getting in it's definitely something generally to think about because of the coronavirus interviews are getting affected too i mean pretty much everything is affected but yeah interesting to think about how interviewing moving forward and for how long we don't even know, but how affected this, this is. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So my next school that when I actually did get in, so what happened to me was I was waitlisted at my first interview, which was the New York Institute of Technology. And that was my first choice. I really want to, you know, practice medicine on Long Island. It's the, it's the state I grew up in, you know, the community I grew up in. So, I really wanted to stay in New York because a lot of a lot of doctors I work with, uh, you know, currently 
um, went to the New York Institute of Technology and, you know, they, a big feeder school for physicians and residencies around Long Island. So I was waitlisted there, which was, you know, definitely hard to hear because I, my interview went so well for that one. Um, it actually was with a sports medicine doctor and him and I hit it off really well. And I didn't, I actually didn't have that. I played football on my resume because I wanted to keep my, you know, resume very focused on unique things about me and, um, I actually didn't share that I played football. And then when he asked me about, you know, my upbringing, I talked a little bit about work ethic and athletics. And he, I mentioned playing football and he was like, Oh, that's awesome. He was a sports medicine doc. He, you know, was helping the boxing and MMA community. He was like going to some of their matches and helping out there. So it worked out really well in that regard. And to hear that wait list because we were hitting it off so well, uh, hurt really bad. Uh, even though, you know, I still had a chance of getting in and ultimately I did get in, but did you ever have an experience where you interviewed and you may have got some bad news or just news that you didn't want to hear? Um, I had a lot of rejections from interviews for sure. I mean, it took like months to interview and then finally get all of my jobs set. And even then it was kind of a slow process because I currently have four different jobs and it was like one at a time. And so I was kind of piecing them all together and, and that's a whole a whole separate topic for another day. But yeah. um, before I got all of those jobs, I was rejected from quite a few. So that's never fun. And yeah, just dealing with that is definitely stressful. But I think that you take the rejection and you have to move forward and you have to get better. And you also have to realize that it may not have anything to do with you, why you didn't get the job. And just because you had a good interview or a bad interview. I mean, it doesn't reflect on you and you just have to move on from that and not take it so seriously. Yes, you should. If you had a really bad interview and it was because of something that you did or said, take that as a learning experience. I mean, don't get frustrated too much by that. There will be other jobs and maybe it wasn't the right one for you, but I think every single interview can be a learning experience for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it's actually kind of relieving to hear that you got rejections also because I applied to upwards of 40 med schools and, you know, 38 of them, I was getting emails every Friday saying, we do not want you like, thank you for your applying, but blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's a numbers game. Like I said, all these students across America apply to all these schools. So obviously there's going to be a lot of rejections going out. And yeah, I was actually like, I, it really hits, it hits hard when you're you know, in the real world versus when I was in pre-med, I was very competitive with myself. I'd always like, you know, want to get, you know, hundred on the test and, you know, getting a 70 would hurt, but I'd always be like, Oh, you know, onto the next test, you know, um, kind of like use that, that failure as fuel. But when it came to interviews and like jobs and, uh, you know, applying to schools where it's like, here's your lifelong goal to be a doctor and you're getting these rejections, it hits a lot harder than just a test, which is, you know, you know, you're not going to do well on a test. So you keep at it. Yeah, it makes that transition between college and the real world that much harder because you go from like, oh, I got a bad grade on a test to like, oh, I literally did not get this job. And like yeah. those two totally different things and and the real world hits hard when you start getting these rejections. Yeah. And yeah, I'd say you definitely have to keep going. Like I got uh so for me, I ended up getting into the New York Institute of Technology yeah. about about a month ago, about a few weeks ago. And I was, I was through the roof cause I'd been waitlisted and 
the wait list actually, this is a whole other process of uh, medicine, is that the wait list can go up until the first day of school starts. So if you get waitlisted, you have to be ready to reapply because actually the next cycle already starts. Or, you know, you have to be ready for it to be August 1st. And they say, all right, you're starting school August 2nd. Wow. So for me to hear back in March, uh, I heard back, you know, mid-March from the New York Institute of Technology. And I was like, let's go. I was so excited. And actually, um, I was up in Maine at the time surfing. So I was doing the last thing you'd expect a student to hear. Um, I had some time off from work and I was like, oh, I'm going to you know, do a little bit of traveling. There's good waves coming in. I'm, you know, I'm really into surfing. So I, you know, chase the swell wherever it is. And at that day, the waves were up in Maine. So I actually had slept in my car like the past two nights and I was up in Maine surfing and it was the end of the day. You know, I did not expect to be getting an email from a med school, but I just had surfed alone at this like beautiful point break kind of in the woods. Um, and I came out of the ocean, walked to my car and I was still in my wetsuit. And I just, for some reason, like, you know, looked at my email because, you know, for the past year, I could, could have heard back any time from now to like even August. So I've always checking my email. Like, did I get in? Did I get in? And like, I saw that like, congratulations. And I was like, let's go. I was so excited. And, you know, I ended up calling my family right there. It was really funny because I had the heat blasting in my car. I was still in my wetsuit. Like my hair was wet. There was salt on my skin, but i felt like it, you know, kind of worked out for the best. Cause like, you know, doing the thing I love surfing and then, you know, achieving one of my like lifelong goals was awesome to have right at the same time. Yeah. That's an amazing, funny kind of story. Um, but ultimately great, great result. That's the email yeah. that you want to get. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your experience with us, Lucas. Yeah, of course. And, you know, thank you for having me on, getting me, getting to uh, interview me and talk to me a little bit about everything. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully we provided some good tips and some fun, very real stories about our own experiences, because obviously interviewing is not fun and no one really likes to do it. I mean, I don't think anyone particularly loves it, but you just got to you know, practice and you get better yeah. at it over time. So hopefully our tips have helped. Um, and yeah, thank you again, Lucas, for being such a great guest. You know, I'm someone who's very interested in the medical career and I want to give back to, you know, however I can. So please feel free to reach out to me if you have an interview coming up, if you're interested in the medical field, especially even if you're just a freshman in college, my Instagram is at Lucas underscore Hildreth. My YouTube channel is just Lucas Hildreth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, reach out to me in any way. I'd love to talk to you about, you know, the medical field, give you advice on the MCAT, anything. I'm sure Emily's the same way. If you want to reach out to her, I'm sure she'd be happy to help. For sure. Yeah. None of us are experts, but we do our best. So yeah. Thank you again, Lucas. This has been super fun. And you can check out the next episode of On the Brink next Monday, coming out at the usual time, noon central time on Monday. And you can follow me on my Instagram at on the brink underscore podcast. And we'll see you all then.